Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 111, three ones in a row. Very exciting. Uh, we've got a lot to get to in this episode, but first, I want to say, uh, so this is going up. I apologize that this goes up uh, a day late uh, and a dollar short. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but uh, we could not make, from from a schedule standpoint, we could not make this happen uh, yesterday, so or before yesterday. So, uh, so thank you for your patience. I'm sure there are people who are just checking their iTunes every hour, saying, "When is the new more than one lesson?" Um, it's now. The time is now. Uh, but what I will say real quick is, uh, so this is a Friday. This is the 19th. Um, happy birthday to my co-host David Bax of Battleship Pretension. I need to text him. Note to self. Uh, and so tomorrow, it's a big day. Tomorrow is Alpha Omega Con in La Mirada, California. Uh, if you hear this and you think you can make it, uh, then go to alphaomegacon.com and pre-order your ticket for a mere $5. Or if you want to, you know, be lazy about it, that's going to cost you an extra $5. It's 10 bucks at the door. So, uh, more than one lesson will have uh, an exhibitor booth. Josh, unfortunately, will not be able to be there because he is uh, working on a film. But I will be there with a friend of mine uh, named Joel and then uh, Reed Lackey, who's been on the show a few times and, and uh, writes for us from time to time. So uh, so come on by and say hi. I want Not only is it fun to meet listeners, but I also just want the event to be uh, a success because the guys who put it together, I like their, philo- their philosophy. Uh, when it comes to the intersection of faith and art. And so um, I want them to succeed because it's a perspective that needs to be out there more. Okay, I think that is about it. I will now welcome in, he won't be there tomorrow, but he's here today. It's my co-host, Josh Long. Oh, that was such a long pause. Yeah. Josh, how you doing? Doing good. Working on this film. Sure am. We won't say what it is because I, you know, I mean, I don't think I'm allowed to say. I might get in trouble. But exactly. I can talk about it when it comes out, which I think will be in the spring. Okay, in the spring, man, that's a long way from now. Uh, well, must be a heavy post. Lots well, of special effects. I can, I, I can neither confirm or deny that. Uh, what I will say is that, yeah, it could be a kitchen sink drama. Um, <laughs> yeah, with uh, lots of posts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're adding in an entire character. It's a kitchen sink, but they're in space. Oh man. It's called Space Sync. I've said too much. Oh, man. <laughs> you're totally going to... You, you'll be able to make it tomorrow because I'm going to email the producers of Space Sync and I say, <laughs> hey, you're a uh, first AD. He's letting things slip. He just let the cat out of the bag about Space Sync. Yeah. Uh, a few dozen people listened uh, to him talk about Space Sync. <laughs> and took to the internet. Um, so uh, what I will say is that uh, don't expect much from Josh today uh, <laughs> just because... Why, thank you. I know that none of us ever do. But uh, 
They're really uh, they're really jerking you around on this schedule. Yeah, I've had a weird schedule, so I've I've been. I have no. I feel. I told you when I got here. I have no idea what time it is. I mean, I can look at clocks and see, but that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Yeah, it's two um, o'clock in the afternoon. By the way, whatever. Okay. If you say so, I. I feel like I might either need to eat dinner or go to sleep or wake up. It could be one of those three things. I. I'd, I'd say wake up for the show. Okay. And then go right back to sleep. What about the eating dinner though? Do we do that now? You could stand to miss a meal or two. Hmm. You're looking a little porky these days. Um, <laughs> Listeners, you haven't seen me and don't know that I, I weigh 300 pounds. Yeah. It's, and I'm six foot seven. Yeah. That, the photo that we have on uh, on Facebook and on that's, the website, yeah, that's, that's an me. old photo. Yeah. Oh, it's just not you at all? No, no, no. I was like, well, I don't want this slovenly guy representing the show. So right. I'll just, you know, I'll go into, uh, I don't know, some glamour shots and get this, uh, those this are, skinny hipster looking guy. Yeah, those are stock footage pictures i have i just send around to, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know whenever someone needs a picture of me because then and then when you walk in they be like oh i feel like he might have put on a lot of weight oh but i can't mention it then they so feel I guess bad just, for yeah. me and they give you the job looks like he put on weight and got reconstructive surgery <laughs> it's like he put on weight but chose to counter that by get by having his face changed i think maybe he's not uh he's not capturing the problem not totally all there so, uh, but anyway, so obviously I, I'm joking when I say that you're, uh, that people shouldn't expect much of you, but I will say that you're very tired. Hey, I'm going to make the most of it. Exactly. What does that mean? I don't know. Now, you, if you said, you tell me you're going to make the most of the fact that you're tired. That means that you're going to fall asleep. All right. That'd be great. Actually. Cause <laughs> winner, we do winner. have a guest. We don't really need you. All right. I'll see um, you later. All right. And just, you just like fall asleep right in the mic and just snore and just, yeah. I'm gonna fall asleep like in the middle of the sentence and then just fall right into it. Oh man, I'd have to get that uh, windscreen replaced. Yeah, probably. So okay, so what is this episode about? I have no idea. I'm not asking you. Oh, it's okay. a rhetorical question. I'm, you know, the listeners are probably wondering, and I'm about to answer them. All right. Oh okay. Josh, so help me. I'm just trying to speak for the listener. I don't know. Um, someone has to. That's true. Yes. Uh, okay. Listeners may recall many, many years ago, back before Josh was ruining the show with his presence. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, I did an episode, a two-parter, back when uh, I felt like people wouldn't want to waste their time with like over an hour of podcasting. It was a two-parter in which I had my friends Jacob Kinberg and Peter Borut on the show to talk about their involvement in a documentary called The Ice Shield of Aletheia. It was a fun show. Go back and listen to it. Uh, it's been many years. Jake has another movie that he's, uh, that he's promoting that is called sing over me. And so we're here to talk about it today, but he is also here. It's not just, we're here to talk about it. That'd be weird if you weren't here, but we wanted to talk about it. I'm here. Uh, yeah, Jake is here. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing good. All right. Pleasure to be here. Oh boy. That's that- what you say when you go on shows. Right? Exactly. Yeah, Whether it's true or not. Yeah. I don't know if any of us think that, um, but yeah, so okay. Uh, I guess one thing. I guess maybe we can uh, ask to uh, kind of catch up a little bit with you uh, and, since your last appearance, which was a while ago. A lot of things have happened in your life since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what uh, what what have you been up to the last, let's say, three years, four years, maybe? Well, I got married. Yay! To a lovely woman mm-hmm. named Ashlyn. Yeah, she is an actress and voiceover artist. Mm-hmm. Um. I made 
another movie called Channel News, which yeah. you reviewed for me. Appreciate I did. that. That's right. Um, and I've been working uh, as an editor when I'm not um, making my own movies. I cut other people's movies. And most mm-hmm. recently, I just finished working on uh, the movie Pele, which is All about right. the famous Brazilian soccer player. Wow. And that's going to be coming out sometime. I'm not sure when. Now, if I actively don't care about soccer, mm-hmm. not even passively, I make it a point not to care. Do you think I would still like Pele? I think you would. Okay, fair enough. I think you, I think you'd be into the the just the human human interest story. Now we're of talking. Pele. And then I would just tune out the minute he got on the <laughs> soccer field. Everything that makes him famous, I'm out. You show some behind the scenes stuff, you show us warts and all. I'm back in. Yeah, but you know, it's like even if you're not into a sport, someone who's like amazing at that sport and like the guy, you still kind of I guess so. I just get envious then. So, um <laughs> So you're not at all interested in sports, but you're going to be envious of the most famous yeah. person in a certain sport. Yeah. He's trying to make me look bad. That's the way I look at it. I'm sure that was the first thing in his mind. <laughs> Just not about me specifically, but like when he kicks a ball really well or something, you know, whatever they do in yeah. soccer. He's like, take um, that, everyone who's not. Who yeah. He just, as well as I can. Tyler, presumably. He just says, that'll show him how better I am than they are. You know, that's probably not true. And there's a way you could find out. And that's by watching the documentary. Mm. Fair enough. Well, that, that one's not a documentary. That's a, Oh, that's oh. A narrative. that's oh, a cool. narrative. Watch out. that produced by Brian Grazer. How's he doing? No doubt. He's doing well. If you sit on his couch in his living room, you must rearrange the pillows as they were after you get up. I found that out. Really? <laughs> it was very awkward. I, I'm in his living room. He comes in to greet me. I get up off the couch the moment I get up off the couch, as he's talking to me, he goes to the couch and moves the pillows back from where I just got up from. I was like, ooh, sorry. So. I'd say that sounds weird, but I've seen Brian Grazer. <laughs> he's kind of he's a weird. He's an interesting guy. He's an odd Very guy. Nice. He seems like a super nice guy, actually, from what I've heard uh, and what I've uh, observed in interviews. But, um so, okay, well, that's very interesting that you've uh, done all that. I will say real quick about Channel News. There's been a, uh, a new rollout, mm-hmm. so people can purchase Channel News at Amazon. That is correct. And I will put a link to it uh, through More Than One Lesson, so you don't ever have to leave morethanonelesson.com for all your needs. All of them. <laughs> Every single one. We're trying to work out a food service thing. Yeah. Hungry? Um, morethanonelesson.com. Absolutely. Tired? More than one lesson.com. Well, they already know that. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So that catches us up on what you've been doing. So let's talk about this film, Sing Over Me. Uh, first off, give a quick description of what it is, and okay. then we'll get into the, the nitty gritty here. Sing Over Me is about uh, Christian singer songwriter Dennis Jernigan. He wrote a lot of really big worship songs um, that people sing all over the world. Um, he was probably biggest uh, in the early 90s. That's when a lot of his songs came out. And um, he uh, grew up struggling with same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. And in his mid-20s, um, he rededicated his life to Christ um, and says that he, he was uh, changed and God... Um, transformed him, transformed his heart. He was born again, and he ended up. God also ended up 
taking away um, his same-sex attraction, he ended up becoming attracted to women, and he has been married for 30 years, and he has nine kids, and he's never really gone back to that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, the, the film is about, is his story, basically just letting him tell his story, mm. and um, we kind of go back with him to different landmarks of his story, his childhood home and the college that he went to and just kind of delve into that struggle of this yeah. double life that he was living, you know, wanting to follow God, but all the time uh, struggling with these temptations and, yeah. and living this kind of secret like life. The, yeah. The secret thing is the thing that I, that really struck me is like how hard that must be. And like, not really revealing it to anybody, but then also getting to those that he did reveal it to, like getting many different reactions and that sort of thing. Um, and I will say this, uh, just based on the description that you just said, uh, I don't want to sound too judgmental, but I will say that's too many kids. Uh, <laughs> nine kids is too many kids. Uh, you know, I don't care. Uh, it could be the happiest family in the world. But how, how's he going to fill his quiver otherwise? Oh, watch. Okay, we're getting into... Uh, Inside baseball. We're getting into uh, TLC uh, territory. Um, so, okay. So I assume, you know, uh, telling a story like that, uh, I assume people are fine with it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've not hit any pushback at all. Uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um how on earth did this come about? Like, did this come from you? How did you, you know, cause one thing that I, cause I myself don't really know much about Dennis Jernigan. Um, and you know, and I was raised in the church. I pro I should have been in a position to at least be aware of his songs. I don't know many of his songs. Um, so I wonder if maybe just some denominations embraced him more than others. And so I knew like one or two, I know all in all, mm -hmm. And that's the only one I can bring. To, I can call to mind right now. Yeah, I recognized several of them actually. Okay, that's definitely his biggest though. You are my yeah. okay. So yeah. yeah, so that one, we all found it. But he's he is a Baptist. I would say in the Baptist denominations, he's probably more well known. Okay. and just in the the Bible Belt and Midwest okay. in general. Yeah, yeah, and that, and I guess I did go to church in California and Denver when he was at his at his biggest and so uh so i knew very little about him so like most of what i know is from this film and what i one of the things that i gathered is that in the christian world he's kind of a big deal uh based on how some people just approached him with you know the same way you and i would approach like a director we loved or something like that and so uh so it seems odd that you had as much access to him as you did, uh, did the idea come from you? Did it come from him? Did he approach you? Like, how did this come about? Well, I, I grew up singing his songs. I remember distinctly being eight years old at uh, Bible camp and hearing you are my all and all for the first time. Mm -hmm. I, so, and I, you know, my, I grew up in Minnesota, but my family is from Texas and, mm. Every summer going back to Texas, I remember singing his songs. I know they were very popular there, um, but I didn't know I didn't know the name. I had no idea who Dennis Jernigan was. Right. Uh, my wife's sister goes to Oral Roberts University, okay. and uh, Dennis's one of Dennis's daughters went there as well. They became friends. She had spent a Thanksgiving uh, weekend with the family she had met Dennis and, and all the kids and everything. She had told, uh, my wife about him and we looked him up. We, we started, um, 
kind of seeing, oh, well, what did he write? And we're finding all these songs like, man, like this was this is one of my favorite songs growing up. And we're looking into him. And then I came across his testimony. Mm -hmm. And when I read his testimony, I just felt like, um, you know, the the issue of homosexuality and and same sex attraction is something that is always been on my heart. I don't I don't struggle with it myself, but I always felt like it was something that I would would touch on and want to speak to in in a film and i didn't know what that would be mm. but i have several friends who have struggled with it and actually uh while i was hearing about dennis's story i was living with a friend of mine who is gay mm. and i lived with him for a year and when i heard his story i just it was so similar to my friend's story yeah and my friend kind of took the opposite path of dennis he right. he also grew up in the church but now has kind of walked away from god and the church and decided to embrace um the gay lifestyle yeah and so and so he's walked away from church completely yeah he's okay. he's completely gone but this story just it seemed to me like uh the perfect way to um get into the conversation understand what people who struggle with it, what it's like and begin to talk about what is our um, responsibility as a church when it comes to this topic? How do we approach it? How do we um, show love for the people who deal with it and also um, point them to the truth of the Bible and the truth of Christ and the power of the gospel to bring change? Um, this was, His story is an example of that and I felt like, you know, someone's testimony, um, a testimony, a personal story, that, that's the way to um, discuss these things because you can't really, you can't really argue against someone's story. You can, mm -hmm. you can choose to believe it or not and say that what happened to Dennis isn't real and whatever, but there's something about, you know, he's just telling his story and you're getting an inside look at it and having the opportunity to um, engage with it in a way that a lot of people, especially the people who grew up singing Dennis's songs have not engaged with it or yeah. ha not known how to engage with it. That's why I wanted to make the movie um, to, to speak to that, that audience and to give people like the person that I was rooming with um, something to think about. I, a lot of times the things that we struggle with that we feel are like, insurmountable or sin we cannot get away from when we hear um a story of someone else who's dealt with the same thing and had a different outcome or had to, had uh, been able to overcome been victorious over something it i think it gives you a new hope and a new way to, um when you believe that deliverance from something is possible the fight against that thing becomes a very different thing yeah, I mean, that is one of the reasons why people give a testimony at all. Uh, and one of the reasons why, you know, like on this show, uh, we try to adopt a theory of vulnerability because, you know, some of it, and it's something we need to be careful about, that it's not just like using the podcast for therapy, but a lot of it is, it is that like when I've heard someone say, oh, I, I've dealt with, you know, depression or any of these other things, I've dealt with like, envy and self hatred and that kind of thing. Uh, the stuff that I deal with, um, you know, the thing about any kind of, not even necessarily sin in some cases, but the thing about, um, 
let's say brokenness. Let's use that phrase to, to use a very Christianese type phrase. Uh, the thing about brokenness is that it tends to be uh, very self-focused, which also means it tends to be very isolated and it feels isolated. You feel very alone. Surely no one you know deals with this. And those people that you do know, if they found out you dealt with this, they would just they would turn on you they would have no sympathy for you or they would say like i have ab- or they would just be completely clueless on how to a- approach you um and so uh so it's a very isolating thing and that more that more than anything when it comes to like dennis's uh, struggle in the film and how he dealt with it uh and you get a pretty good idea of what his home life was uh, and you know, no friend, no offense to like his parents or anything like that, but they're from a different generation. I believe they're all like on a farm or something like that. And it's just, you know, does not seem like the most, uh, approachable, uh, parents in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's neat about it is once like, once, you know, healing starts, uh, at the very least spiritual healing and emotional healing, uh, once that starts, Dennis is m- able to speak to his father and the, and his father is able to speak very openly to him about like the experience he had with, with, with his father. And so, uh, it winds up, you know, when you, when you open up about these things to friends to like, you know, trusted friends and that sort of thing, um, it tends to sort of, it's kind of a domino effect tends to snowball in a way, hopefully, and usually in a positive way where suddenly you realize this was not, uh, it's still a big deal, but this was not the, the, as big a deal as I thought it was going to be mm. and told myself it was going to be for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, m- an example in, in my own life that I've shared on this sh- show before. So I'm okay with saying like, I, like a number of other people, I won't just say men, a number of other people like porn, you know, has been a big struggle for me. And, you know, in your teenage years, you don't tell anybody that. Because you think you're the only, especially if you grew up in the church, you think you're the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you open up and you realize, oh, literally everyone? Okay. Uh, oops. I guess uh, it's, I, I wish I had known that yeah. years ago. Well, and mm-hmm. I, I remember, uh, and I don't know, I don't know how beneficial this book will be for everyone. But for me, Every Man's Battle was pretty pivotal because mm-hmm. it was the first time that I heard anyone say that they hadn't, that, that they had victory over this thing, that they hadn't looked at any porn in 20 years. To me, I was like, no, I don't know anyone who can say that. Yeah. So it didn't, you know, that's what I, I mean. in like believing that something is even possible makes yeah. the fight different. And it did make it completely different for me. If you don't believe that it's possible. If you think the rest of your life, you're going to go on doing this thing, no. which is what I think many people uh, who struggle with same-sex attraction, they have no hope. They're, the world yeah. is not giving them hope that anything could be different. And it, and this movie necess- isn't saying that th- what God did for Dennis is what he will do for you necessarily. Right. But he did it for Dennis. This is possible. The fight is not unwinnable. The, the, the quest for righteousness and doing what the Bible um, commands is possible. You know, and it, it speaks to that idea, that biblical idea of like the, the thorn in your side, this thing. And I think everybody has one or two or many uh, that you just pray to God, like, could you please take this from me? And some ca- in some cases he does. In some cases he does not. That, yeah. is the, that was the nature of Paul. Like, 
I keep asking and it's still there. And yeah. people never quite knew what that was for him. There's a lot of different theories out there, but, um, but yeah, to see, you know, to see Dennis's story now, of course, his struggle is a very specific one, but I think you can extrapolate larger things from that. Mm. Uh, like, you know, you just mentioned like with every man's battle, that's, you know, certainly I do think, sorry, I'm having like five thoughts at once. I apologize. <laughs> um, there's a lot of cynicism out there and there's a lot of people. And unfortunately I'm one of them from time to time who think very, I don't know. Uh, they have a very, um, craven way of looking at humanity. And while we do believe that people are, are fallen and all that, uh, I have this, there's this thing inside me that thinks like people don't change, you know, uh, there's, if they're bad now, they're always going to be bad. If they're good now, well, they're probably still bad. <laughs> so I, I go, I tend to go really dark with it. Uh, but I also try to embrace the, the Christian idea of, you know, I mean, if, if, Paul, if Saul can change, then surely anybody can. And so I try to look at it from that point of view, but I know that there's a lot of cynicism in maybe cynicism is, the, there is cynicism in the church, especially with this, this issue. Um, but about everything, maybe it's not a cynicism as it is a, a certain degree of hopelessness, this feeling of, look, this is this is the thing I struggle with, maybe not even hopeless, defeatism, let's say that. Um, this is the thing I struggle with, whatever it might be, and it could be any number of things. Um, this is the thing I struggle with. I'm working on it. I have small, I have my little victories. I have my failures. It's going to be this my whole life. And the concept the, even as I say it now, the concept that God can deliver you out of this so that it's not a thing you ever have to worry about again, uh, that I think is mir- is miraculous, and we respond to it the way we respond to the concept of miracles in 2014, mm-hmm. which is to, to say, say that it's impossible. That it's impossible. Yeah. That's something that happens in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Right. But, I mean, there are so – like, people's transformed lives – because of the gospel are evident all over the place. Right. I mean, I'm sure you've seen people who were one way they come to Christ, their life is complete, you know? And I, oh, and yeah. I think I, I, what I want to, one thing I want to say about the film is that more than it being about Dennis going from, uh, being attracted to men to being attracted to a woman, it's a film about identity. Mm-hmm. It's a film about where are you going to find that identity in and is it going to be found in what tempts you? Is it going to be found in your past? Is it going to be found in um, what you're attracted to sexually? Or is it going to be found in who you are because of who Christ says you are, what he's yeah. done in your life, how he's changed you, being born again and living in that new identity? And that's what all Christians are trying to do every day of their life is be who God says you are, you know? And I will say that's something that I got out of the film. I got that, like, because he... he is very specific about that. He talks a lot about his identity, about him being a child of a child of God. And that that's, that's the most important thing. So there's part of it that says, even if this change hadn't come, it's still more important that that is his identity, you know? Yeah. That, and that's what I would say. If it was two years after, um, this conversion experience that he talks about, he was at this, this concert and he gave his life to Christ in a, in a new way. And he was born again. It was two years later that, uh, his attractions started to change. So, and for so many people, like uh, there are a lot of prominent Christian authors who write from the perspective and tell the story of the person who God has not taken away those attractions. They're still attracted to men, but they are choosing 
to be obedient to God with that, that in their life and they're not engaging in those desires. Yeah. Um, that's not Dennis's story. But if it had been Dennis's story, he would still have this testimony of a, a change in what the battle was, a change in who he was apart from whether he became attracted to women or not. Right. And I think that's something you run across a lot in the Christian church, this idea of, oh, God, and, and he addresses it in the film, uh, oh, God fixed you. Now, I did use the word brokenness earlier, but we act as though, oh, this is a thing that we, that we don't need fixing because we don't deal with that issue. Um, but it's like, oh, God fixed you. You went from being attracted to men to being attracted to women. Problem solved, right? Well, no, of course not. You know, it's, it's, there, there are so many things because then it's like, then he could, then he could have, and I don't think he does, but like, he could have said, okay, well now my identity is that I'm a straight man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or now my identity is that I'm a successful songwriter. He could find his identity in any of the other things yep. yeah, that or, we find our identity. Or even just in the morality of, of thinking of himself now as a person who isn't doing wrong anymore, as right. someone who is quote unquote righteous or something. Yeah. And it makes me think about, you know, these. I don't know if you know about I Am Second, those videos. Yes. So, so and and when we, you talked about like people who have these conversion experiences and have these drastic changes and what they were like before they were Christian, what they were like after. And then, you know, sometimes they fall back into things and we might yeah. wonder whether they were actually <laughs> saved or not. But when you are saved, the work of the Holy Spirit has just begun in you it's a it's you're filled with the holy spirit and there are things about your mind and your heart that are completely new but you're not sanctification is a process and these things you're not going to be fully who god has made you to be until the end you know you're always going to be changing and so we can't we can't think that someone is uh obviously there are there are fruits of the spirit that you see in someone's life when they are saved and you can you can know and you can see but obviously they're still sinful. They're still going to make mistakes. They're still going to fall back. And even the people, you know, it's always very difficult for the people, especially who struggle with same sex attraction, who claim victory over it and then fall back and right. stumble again. And we want to write them off and we want to say nothing ever happened. Right. And, and that, and that happens even in the church. And I think that's, and this goes, and this goes back to what I was saying about miracles. And so like, you know, obviously in this case, we're talking about, you know, same-sex attraction, but it can happen with anything when you, for example, um, who are we talking about this? Oh, this was a while ago. We had Ian Gilligan on, and he was talking about, um, you know, hurting himself in stunt work and, like, praying for a miracle and then, like, was, like, miraculously healed and thought it was astounding. And then, like, oh, but then a while later, his, his leg went back to, I think it was his leg, like, went back to hurting, um... And so people would say, well, if God does it, then why doesn't it just stay done? Uh, so clearly it never happened. And and I think that idea um, and eliminating the concept of a process, as you were talking about, is something that we – maybe I won't even say we. It's something that I use as sort of a, a way of hedging my bets, mm-hmm. of saying like, okay, Lord, I'll pray for this thing. But if you don't do it or if you don't want to do it on your time, you know, uh, on my timetable, I tend to use that not as a way of saying, hey, God, whatever you want to do is fine. It's more of using that as an out so that I don't have to believe this with my whole heart and be made to look foolish 
if it doesn't happen the way I want or when I want. Mm-hmm. Um, or the way that other people will exactly. accept it. Ex- oh, exactly. And so, um, and I feel like, especially these days, there's a, a lot of people in the church who, when it comes to God being actively involved in a person's life one way or another, uh, we tend to, I think, shy away from it. We still pray. We still do all the things we're supposed to do. But I think there's something in the back of our mind that says, just hold back a little bit because you don't want to be made to look silly if this doesn't happen. And ultimately what I, you know, within the church, we are a lot of times falling into the, the lies of the world saying that this is one issue or this, this is one thing that God has no control over. Right. This, nothing can change about this, this, you know, and that, that's, that's, kind of what i wanted to speak to is that jesus died for every sin including this one jesus the power of god the power of the gospel to transform lives touches everything including your sexuality yeah at least it it can if that's what god wills you know that's what i want the message of the church to be for those people and especially the the people who are in the church who really want to follow god but they struggle with this and even they have lost hope that even God could do anything about it or that it could ever change or, you know, that's, that's what Dennis's story speaks to, I think. And the fact that his story has been speaking to to, to people's lives and will speak to people's lives through the film shows that there are a lot of people who are in his same, who are in the same place that he was. It's not like this is a unique situation. There are a lot of people that have felt the same way that have felt this guilt and shame and felt like they don't belong, felt like they're frauds and all this stuff. Yeah. And so it's, it's, um, his story has already been very, uh, very, I don't know, moving and, and helpful to a lot of people who are dealing with those same, yeah. that same feeling, even if it's not because of that specific issue even. Yeah. I mean, it's, you said the word fraud and I mean, I, in Hollywood, I, I found this with people that are artistic. They tend to feel, and maybe everybody, I don't know, but I know a lot of artistic people, and at some point, almost everyone I know has felt like a fraud in some way, um, whether it be in their faith, like they're just they're so deeply aware of what they are doing wrong now that they feel like I'm just a fraud, I'm just a faker, or whatever, uh, and just because they're finding their because they're probably finding their identity in this other thing. Uh, here's a, a very low stakes example. Uh, I was talking with somebody last night, and. Um, we were talking about the idea of me identifying as a critic, which I don't do. I say, Oh, I'm a photo editor. And I usually leave it at that. And I don't say critic, even though I've had these podcasts for a long time, because that's not how I make my money. And clearly if you, if you don't make your money in that way, then that's not what you do. It's like, I'm a critic in the same way. I'm a professional collector of Riddler action figures. (laughs) Um, and so, and that's the thing. And the minute I say, critic if i and if i lead with it and that's the thing in in this city you kind of have to you have to say i'm an actor i'm a writer you have to do that even if that's not how you're making your money but the moment i do it i feel like i'm such a fraud and i'm lying to this person uh and so and and you know when you add a spiritual connotation to that of oh i'm a christian but in the back of your mind you know all the stuff you struggle with you know all the stuff you did today that is that wouldn't line up with that. And you just feel like such, mm-hmm. such a fraud. You feel like you have no right being in the presence of God. You have no right talking to God. Uh, and 
you know, the, one of the things about this film is he deals with such shame uh, to the extent that at some point he even you know, he, he's he contemplated suicide, feeling like I'm never, I certainly can't be a Christian if I'm dealing with this. Certainly not. God doesn't want to deal with me. Nobody wants to deal with me. So I'm going to make it so that nobody has to deal with me anymore. And so uh, that that level of finding his identity in what other people said about him instead of what God thinks of him. I think it can lead, it will only ever lead to despair mm. uh, no matter what it is that what that thing is. Yeah. Um, and that's, that is one of the big things that I got out of the film. And that's why I think certainly people that, that have the same struggles as, as Dennis uh, certainly they, they can get something out of the film, but I do think every Christian can watch it and, and say, that's me, maybe not specifically, but boy, I've had that exact same thought about my thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of the things that I like about it. But uh, we should move on and talk about uh, some other things about the film. Um, so, okay. We're talking about same-sex attraction. We're talking about the idea of, of shame and guilt and the way that the role that the church p- plays in that. Uh, some would say that uh, the conversation we're, right, we're having right now uh, is shaming people and guilting people. And uh I don't know what to say. Uh, I should lead with uh, I'll, uh, you know, in full disclosure, this is an episode that we've been, that's kind of been on the sort of on the books for a while, but I've been reluctant to actually record it because uh, I'm still reeling from the way people responded to my first ever episode five and a half years ago about milk. Um, it's it's a big issue, and it's only gotten bigger since then. Um, and so uh, I have to assume. Okay. One thing I noticed, if you head on over to the YouTube channel for uh, Sing Over Me, comments have been disabled. And you know what? Good call. Because that, that wasn't always the case. And I read some of those comments. Yeah. And they were rough. Some of, them, some of them were very good. Don't get me wrong. But there are people that really uh, were angry and particularly hateful in the things that they had to say about Dennis and used some language that was, not, uh, that was really rough. Um, and so, uh, so when I saw the, at this point, anytime I see a YouTube video where the comments have been disabled, my first thought is what you can't handle it. But shortly after that, I think good for you (laughs) just saying what you have to say. The end, I'm kind of okay with it. Well, to be fair, I would have liked to have the comments there. My wife, the, who is producer on the movie decided that would not be the best thing. And I, and I, you know, said that was okay a conversation is good i'm not opposed to comments when it comes to a conversation but there's always the possibility it's why we had to implement the comment policy at more than one lesson uh there's always people who who could look to hijack the conversation for their own thing and they can be quite destructive um you know, uh, I will go ahead and say, like, here's, I, I remember this being, I think, one of the comments. And I apologize. This isn't the most offensive word, but I remember one guy in the comment for Sing Over Me just said, like, this guy's still queer. It's like, what? <laughs> I can't quite tell where you're falling here. It, like, my worst fear is that that guy was a Christian. Yeah. Like, because you run across that attitude and that kind of language in Christian circles, which is, of course, horrible. Um, 
But either way, it's like, what good does that comment do? All that does is somebody could be watching that video and think, oh, man, that's great. And then you, they see that and whatever hope they had just gets drained away. Yeah. And so um, because that guy's voice is going to resonate much la- much more than anybody else's. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of a prelude to, like, what kind of reactions have you gotten, have you gotten from Christians and non-Christians alike? Um. Well, I, I knew making it that it would be controversial. There, there was no two ways about that. Like I, I kind of expected that, um, but it hasn't been. Maybe because mostly, um, you know, it hasn't. Non Christians haven't really become aware of it yet. That we have. I think they will in a few weeks. We have some interviews that are from bigger publications that are going to come out. Um, but so far it's been mostly all positive. And I think the, the reason like even before the movie came out, we were getting much more of the negative things from people just based on the idea of Dennis's story. And that's what people are against. They're against the concept yeah, because they want they want to say that uh, sexual sexual orientation is like the color of your skin, and I I one thing I did want to uh, put into the movie, and obviously this is what what Dennis felt like. This isn't you know what we struggle with, what we are tempted by, is not a choice. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We don't choose to be. <laughs> that way as a lot of people mistakenly in the church might think, but we do choose what we do with that. And we do choose who we follow. And, you know, so to me, the, the, just putting out that idea of the orientation is fluid. It's not set in stone. It's not like your skin color. Mm -hmm. These things can change. People are very against that idea. Yeah. It, you know, puts a chink in their arguments for a lot of different things. Yeah. So before even seeing it, that's, that's the reaction. I feel like when people actually do see the movie, even if they feel that way, there's a lot less, the movie itself, I don't think comes at you in a way that is hateful or, or incendiary. Like it could, it was not a political movie. Like it's not trying to convince you of anything. Really. It's letting Dennis tell you what happened to him. And so I think that's probably why we haven't got as much of, um, that, that negative feedback. Yeah. I'll bet if he were, uh, if he were out, you know, advocating some kind of political action or something like that, you might have more of that. But I, I, and I think, Part of the lashback that you could see from it would be people saying, here's this film that's presenting this as a good thing that he uh, he had this change where really he's – in reality, he's denying himself or something right. like that. I, I can definitely see that being a criticism of the film. But I think, I think it's important to recognize in the film uh, that even if you don't disagree – even if you don't agree with the change that he's – that's happened in his life, even if you think that's not real or it shouldn't have happened for him, it is definitely a positive thing in his own mind and, and his kids and his, yeah. And, and <laughs> that's the, people the thing around for him. me, I, yeah. I wanted to, 
I wanted to um, shine a light on that people don't talk, don't think about that. But like, if you're if you're saying that Dennis should still be gay, you're disregarding nine lives. Yeah, that would not be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I don't know how you can even. That's the thing that I was thinking about. And of course, you know, my joke about too many kids aside, uh, one thing he addresses in the film that I thought was interesting is he says, he goes, you know, I'm sure some people think, oh, well, he just had all those kids as a way of like compensating. You know, he did it almost as a cover. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear that word like beard, like he got married to a woman like for a beard. And of course the beard just gets bigger and bigger. The more kids you have. Um, and I had that thought. It's like, oh, he probably wouldn't say that unless somebody somewhere has said, I know why you had that many kids. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. Those are nine people that exist that wouldn't have existed before. And who knows what they're going to do with their lives. And it is weird when you when you realize that, you know, uh, that if somebody had advocated that he not do this, these are people that literally would not exist, yeah. which is fascinating. So the, the joy that has come to him from from that change and the lives that have been changed for the better, you can't you can't deny those things, even if you don't like some of the circumstances that led to it. And I think that's yeah. why the, the film has to have a positive tone. Well, we have gotten some comments from people saying that it's stories like these that cause uh people who struggle with same-sex attraction to commit suicide and they want to write it off as actually leading to that and being more depressive because you're kind of they see it as like shaming or in a way like if if this this hasn't happened for you uh you know you're you know you're messed up. You're you can never change. Whatever. Like this is supposed to be what happens. Yeah, this is this is supposed to be what happens. If it hasn't happened for you, something's you know you're yeah. a different case. Or whatever. Yeah, and you must be really bad if it hasn't <laughs> yeah. happened for you. That kind of thing. To to me though, it's a more hopeless thought that for those who don't who have unwanted same sex attraction, no one talks about that. But there are a lot of people who experience it and don't want to. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in the church and outside the church, I've I've spoken to many people who and and uh, who and all that they hear from culture is accept it. it that's who you are. Accept yeah. it. It's okay. I if they don't want to accept it, there's no one telling them that there's an alternative. And so to me, yeah. like that's hopeless. That's a hopeless situation. Like, oh, you don't like the the way that you're you are. Oh, yeah, sorry. You just have to live with it. And yeah. Deal with it. And it's not, and that's, you know, I, without getting into specifics, cause that, that could take us down a kind of a rabbit hole. Um, you know, there's tons of things that people are probably predisposed to. And I don't just mean sexually, just in general, that the worst thing you could say to them is, Oh, just, just own it. No, that's a ter- That's not a good idea for this person. And that is a thing that I often, uh, wonder about, um, you know, in, in culture, in American culture right now, there's a, particularly in regards to sexuality, there's a big emphasis on, hey, whatever you want to do, man. And, but unless, of course, the person, what they want to do doesn't line up with what you want them to do or what you think they should do. Like, hey, if you, you know, if you deal with, uh, if you're attracted to men, if you're a man and you're attracted to men, fine. If you're attracted to women, fine. If you're, you know, if you're attracted to both, great. You know, just whatever you want to do. And it's like, oh, well, I'm attracted to men, but I don't want to be. That's when they're like, you're denying yourself. Yeah. Like that's when suddenly they get much more, they really dig in their heels about what they think you should want. Right. Um, and that's when they start to say like, Oh, that's just all these other external influences on you telling what you should want. And it's like, yeah, but you're one too. Now 
but you're just saying that he should give in that this person should give into this. Uh, and so there are a lot of, uh, of influences and, and I will say that, yes, this is a film that really, uh, certainly one of the reviews that I read, uh, was by a non-Christian who said that this is an interesting portrait of a guy who suppressed who he really was out of shame caused by the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, Although went out of his way to not blame you for the for this, like he said, hey, you know he's be, he's being true to the subject, um, and so uh, so yeah, I mean that's the thing that will come across, and um, and so I will. Let's see, I'm trying to think how to transition into this. Yeah, all right. So let's seamless. Do yeah. It's a, <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> Because well, it's it's more just I don't know how long to linger on this because um, you know if you if you go too long then it sounds you can sound defensive, uh, and you don't necessarily want to sound like that. But yeah, the point of of this film and the, is not necessarily to point a finger at people and say you need to be this. It's more for people who already, if they don't want to be this, they have at least one resource they can go to and it can give them hope. And some people would say, well, they shouldn't even want that. Okay, well, maybe how about you not tell people what to do? Yeah, and also, I mean, Dennis says himself in the movie, like, I saw the destructive side of this in my own life. I would have been a liar if I didn't own up to that you right. know like he he tried to to accept it okay i'm gay i'm just this is how i am gonna how i am i'm yeah. gonna own that i'm gonna be happy and he wasn't happy yeah that was his experience like he saw it as a bad thing in his life and he didn't didn't want that he didn't want that life he wanted to go down a different path and he finally heard someone who said that that was possible that there was a different path that there there was a different way to do things you know yeah and so um yeah it's uh there's a lot of complexity to this and i will i will say one thing that you mentioned and that uh, josh actually mentioned to me before uh we started recording is uh this really this is you know in the christian world you you run across people talking about you know giving their testimony i've i've given mine on the show and what it is is they're telling their story and at no point do they – usually this is how it goes. At no point do they say, this is my story and it should be yours too. Mm. It's not that. It's literally, this is how God affected me. Make of that what you will. And this is 100% Dennis's story. You know, um, if you were to – if you were to branch out and make a movie about the the larger issue, then it becomes about the issue. But this is about mm. Dennis. It's about his struggles, his faith. You do branch out and you talk to a couple people that were also affected by this, but these are people that have been in contact with him specifically. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's always firmly about him. And I think that's probably – when it comes to a story like this and frankly maybe about a number of there, – there are other documentaries um, that uh, that I've watched that are about a larger thing. But without telling a specific story, even if it's kind of on the sideline, um, it winds up being kind of amorphous and it winds up biting off more than it can chew, which isn't necessarily, you know, a film being too ambitious is not the worst thing in the world. But uh, I'm reminded, strangely enough, of a film called I Am Comic. Uh, it's about stand-up comedy. And it's just about the world of, of stand-ups. But it also does this thing where it seeks out a comic that I remember growing up with named Rich Scheidner, 
um, who retired from stand-up years ago, and it's interviewing him, and the interviews cause him to miss stand-up a lot. So suddenly the film becomes about, among other things, him getting back into it after 10, 15 years away. And just feeling that rush of like, oh, yeah, this I remember this. And so it's a film about comedians in general, but it also ta- is about comedy and this idea that it gets in your blood. And even if you get away from it, you can't ever really get away from it. So it makes it makes a larger point from this guy's individual specific story. Mm. And I feel like that's often the best way to tell a story about uh, to, to explore an issue, if that's in fact what you want to do, is to focus on one person's interaction with that issue. And I think that's what this does, and I think that's why it works as well as it does. Um, so I do want to – okay, so there's two things left I want to get into. One is something that you had mentioned you wanted to talk about specifically, and I'm all for it. <laughs> um, and that is – in people's response, positive or negative, uh, but especially in the positive, they tend to talk only about the content of the film, which makes sense. The, yep. the, the style of the film is, the ty- is, is such that it points to the content. But they don't talk about the filmmaking style. Yeah. Um, and one thing that we talk about on this podcast, especially when dealing with films of a Christian nature, um, is that style is so regularly put to the side because it's all about the content. And if you make a stylistic choice, it might distract from the content for one second. And we can't have that. Um, and next week we'll actually be talking about a real, a film that is a Christian film that we really like that I'm excited to talk about. Um, but anyway, so, uh, you know, what are, let's, I will say this. I, uh, even the negative, there's a negative review that I mentioned earlier of the film and of Gen- sorry, of Dennis's story, um, but he still goes out of his way to praise the filmmaking technique. Says it's well shot, well edited. Um, maybe I'll throw it to you and ask, like, what are yeah. some of the choices that you made and thought this is the best way to tell this story stylistically? Yeah, I, well, I was just gonna say maybe it's um, it's kind of my my pride as a filmmaker when you know like no one no one is mentioning it no one is talking about it as a film they only want to talk about dennis's story which i, I made it for that like that's what i yeah. i want people talking in, about the issue and talking about dennis in a way story. that kind of means you've done your job yes yeah, yeah. but, but on my as yeah. a filmmaker it's like well, what do you think about it as a film like i I, yeah. I haven't got a lot of reviews that have been really about the filmmaking yeah you know, it's about the issue which is fine but that's i think that's that's a little bit of my my pride coming out but it seems to me like that's something that happens a lot specifically with like you said with christian movies no one you know they're only looking at what something is about and not looking at how it's done or what yeah. you know um there's that yeah, old what gets you there that old uh, ebert quote uh, a movie is not what it's about it's how it's about it uh which i'm not sure if i totally agree with but i appreciate the sentiment yeah which is yeah like in a review it makes sense to talk about the content especially if that's what the film is trying to point you towards but it's worth talking about in the review 
you know, this is a thing that I, I struggle with uh, myself, which is like talking about form mm-hmm. uh, and structure uh, rather than just themes. You know, I tend to gravitate towards themes and character and that sort of thing. But, you know, there are still filmic choices. There's a reason you're feeling the way you're feeling right now. You could, you know, <clears throat> that feeling doesn't come automatically. Yeah. You know, choice of music, where to put music, where to have a cut, you know, things to cut away to. It's all there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, how did you. Sorry, I didn't I didn't answer your question. Yeah, but I'm, my, I'm throwing my, it to you now. My, my stylistic choices. Um, the. The one thing, one concept that I thought, in general, I wasn't going to be able to, I didn't know what these locations would look like or what Dennis would be like, really. I hadn't met him before we started filming. Um, But there was one vision, one thing that I had in mind, which was him alone in the field with this piano. Mm -hmm. That That was just one thing. I was like, this is one cinematic thing that I know I can do. I can stage this. Most of the movie, nothing else is staged, but this was one thing. And, you know, it's, it's called sing over me because, uh, Dennis, his favorite verse, Zephaniah three seventeen that, that speaks about God singing over, over you, God, like, and the idea of God singing is a very interesting thing. And for him, when he, uh, he, you know, he was influenced by, um, second chapter of Acts and any herring, her what she would do at concerts singing over people kind of prayers over people singing um songs as if god is speaking is singing that mm-hmm. to you and that's what he felt for himself and i th- and that idea together with the loneliness um of a person who deals with same sex attraction that's something that i relate to the most i think i you know i was i was single for I mean, it seems stupid to say how now to me, it felt like a very long time before I got married, even though most other people have gotten much longer. But for me, that that was one of my biggest struggles was this loneliness. And I think especially people who are in the church who are trying to fight those desires and and uh, as long as that's what they're seeking and they're not wanting to have a relationship with someone of the opposite sex there's this, that's another hopelessness of like, I'll never have true love. I'll never have yeah. that kind of relationship. And we, we put sexual relationships at the highest thing. We, we forget about friendship and how important that is and how it, you know, I mean, Jesus says there's no greater love than the laying down of your life for a friend, mm-hmm. not the laying down of your life for a wife or for so does that mean I don't have to do that? <laughs> well, you do, but I'm, oh, okay. just, I'm just saying, Josh, I'll die for you in a second. <laughs> My wife. Well, I guess we're not that close. No. Um, I don't think yeah. So. Okay. Friend, so. Friendship. I think we need, we need to, uh, Wesley Hill had an article recently, Christianity today, cover story about the importance of friendship in the church and how it specifically would help people who struggle with same sex attraction. But anyway, so this idea of loneliness how can I how can I visualize this? And my my thought was him alone in this vast field. It's a it's a dark kind of yeah um, it's cloudy setting. Yeah, yeah, the rain starts like and all he has he's alone. He has his piano. He ha- this the music is the thing that um, is his way of like connecting with something and it, and connecting with God. Yeah. And God uses him and through the music is able to speak to him in a way that nothing else really could. So that, that was that, that visual thing. Um, 
Peter Borud uh, is a cinematographer yeah. and just does an amazing job. Yeah, like, it's it looks very when, good. I'll when say people that. do say anything about <laughs> the technical thing, obviously, like that's the first thing, and it, yeah, it's true. Like it's oh. shot really well. Yeah. That's all, Peter. Um, it's funny to me that people also mention the editing because I'm an editor, so that's cool. Yeah. But you're not supposed to, usually in film reviews, you don't talk <laughs> you don't about the editing. Like, the yeah, editing. you're not supposed to talk about it. But they. Theoretically. Yeah. That's it, the thing. There's, there are plenty of movies where, I mean, you know, Martin Scorsese films, the editing is not invisible. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you can well, have an appreciation for it. Especially in documentary, too, because documentary, you're not, it's not always. Like the narrative's not in the script. You have to create right, the narrative the story with, with the, the cutting. Yeah. So that that's uh, I feel like there's more to be said for the the talent of editing a documentary. For sure, I, I feel like every year the best editing award should, should be go going to a, to a documentary. documentary. Yeah, because well, like, they in a way write the story. Yeah, it's much more difficult. Yeah, I think. But I remember one of the greatest injustices in Oscar history is that Hoop Dreams was not nominated for documentary, and it should have. It's one of the best films of all time. It should have been nominated. It's for my Mitchell. favorite documentary. Of all yeah. Time. It's astounding. But even though they failed to nominate it there, still got nominated for editing. Like they still <laughs> found it. Like the editors are like, look, I don't know what the documentary people are talking about, but they had to cut this down from eight years of footage. So yeah. that in itself is pretty, <laughs> and still have a coherent story without it going on too long and that kind of thing. Like it's, that's pretty admirable. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just and as somebody, oh, this is weird. It's odd that I think of this only now. As somebody who has had a documentary made about him uh, back in college, uh, it's very strange. Uh, really? I need to get a copy of it. <laughs> um, you know, it was interesting because I was there the whole time. It's weird if you're making a documentary about somebody who knows film and at the time was making film uh, because this friend of mine, <coughs> he said, He's like, you know, it's like, I want to make this thing because I think you're so funny. And part of like, well, yeah, fair, but I'm not only that. So I'm going to start answering questions he's not asking. <laughs> and so stuff like that. So, But I was there as he was shooting all this stuff. And so to know the stuff that he left out and the stuff that he left in, uh, you realize, wow, and when it comes to documentaries, there are – in any film, there's a lot of choices being made. But yeah. with documentaries, as Josh said, like that's where the film comes together. Yeah. With with a narrative film, you at least have a script and you have a general idea of where you want to end up. But with a documentary, you're not even 100% sure. You know the portrait you want to paint and that's about it. Yeah. That's um, why it's possible for documentaries to change from one thing to the other. Like exactly, the Zion yeah. comic one you were talking about. Or there's another notable one that I can't remember. But yeah. um, I would say to – something that I I feel like I might have failed at in making this movie was, you know, Dennis has been telling this story for 20 years. Mm-hmm. He has his way of telling it. He has his sound bites. He says, it, I mean, even if you hear him in interviews now, like he's basically saying verbatim what he says in my movie. Yeah. And to me that uh, like, when I first kind of saw that, it, it was like, oh, I didn't, you know, I, I knew that that would be the case and that I wanted to dig deeper than that. And, tr- you know, um, and I didn't, I wasn't able to really get that. I wasn't, you know, there are some things that you won't hear elsewhere, but I think ultimately what I, I wanted to share his story. He knows how to tell his story. And when I sat down to edit it, it just became, okay, this, this is what it is. Like, 
this is the story. This is, I, I just felt like maybe I'm more interested in these exterior things and I could go down those roads, but like, this is what he's wanting to share. And this is what people need to hear, you know, and I might be interested in other things. And I, I agree, you know, even the criticism of, uh, Reed who wrote the review, uh, for more than one lesson. Like I agree that in the same type, the same things that he would have rather the movie cover. I'm interested in those. And I tried to get, go there. I wasn't, able to and i also felt like it was it didn't lend itself in the editing when i sat down with everything i had it didn't lend itself to the main story that i wanted to tell mm. uh, kind of on that on that note i had a question about that and this is something that I'm, i always find interesting about documentaries uh, when you have a documentary that has a singular subject that way one person um do you have some thoughts or did you have any specific experiences with the uh, the idea that he, you're presenting this person a certain way and how much responsibility do you feel, do you feel to re- represent them exactly the way that they the, the way they are maybe versus the way that they want to be represented not to say that those are necessarily a different thing but oftentimes they can be even if yeah. it's in little ways so I don't know if there's anything any thoughts you had about that or anything to say about that or any specific experiences with this film yeah I think I mean, I don't, I don't think he gave me or th- that we got anything beyond what he wanted. It's kind of a script. show, you know, yeah. like I, there definitely are parts. It wasn't like that throughout the whole time. I don't think there, it's not that he's hiding something. That's, right. I don't, I think when you watch the movie, you are seeing Dennis. Mm-hmm. That's how he actually is. And I can, I can vouch for that because I hung out with him a lot when the camera was turned off, but there wasn't a difference like they it's the same and even though i might have thought there might be something else or there might be you know that that's it was interesting to me to want to see like okay like i've heard his story but now i, I want to see firsthand what 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 it is what is what dennis Sterling is like and he, here here we run across uh, uh my own criticism of the film which is like yourself uh, yeah, like I wanted more, like I want one thing that I, that I wanted more of. And by the way, this is not to say that the film is bad or anything or, or unsatisfying, but it's just, you know, when you see something that is so effectively done, you want more of it, or at least I do. Um, and so any scene where he's interacting with somebody, I thought like, oh, that, that shows him a lot. That shows who he is a lot. Whereas when he's just sharing his testimony and, for, and by the way, an editing choice I like is it, it's very, uh, Steven Soderbergh, by the way, this choice of splitting up his testimony. Sometimes it's to you. Sometimes it's to a crowd and you never quite know, uh, at like uh, his voice will come over something and, and then it reveals, Oh, he's in front of a crowd of people saying this, but sometimes he's alone talking to you. Uh, I like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's, it reminds me a lot of uh, the limey. If you ever saw the limey, mm-hmm. but, um, anyway, and so, uh, but that's the thing. And this gets to, it's, it's odd that I brought up the documentary that was about me because I ha- and it, br- it goes to Josh's qu- uh, question as well, which is this idea of like, well, this guy Brian, who I'm still you know friends with, uh, he 
had a very specific idea of what he wanted his film to be. But he was shooting a filmmaker, and I had an idea. It's like, I don't like the way he's going to frame me, so I'm going to do this. But, of course, in the editing process, he still could have turned it into, hey, look at my funny friend Tyler, and cut out anything else. Um, And so uh, the question then becomes, when you have a singular subject, how much do you feel like, you know, you feel like you, you owe them something you owe it to them to represent them the way especially in this case where it's his testimony Mm. represent them the way they represent themselves but in the end and this is where the critic in me comes in it's your film Mm -hmm. and so if you wanted to go deeper if you had wanted to and i know you did already but like you know um if there were some some extraneous things that you as a viewer would have liked more and you as a director would have liked more my vote would be leave it in. It's your movie. Yeah. And if this is what would have helped you as a viewer to appreciate it more, then go right ahead. I, I would say for this particular project, I was more interested in being faithful to his story mm-hmm. than being faithful to uh, even who he is. Like I, I wasn't as much interested in Dennis Jernigan right. as I was Dennis Jernigan's story. Yeah. Dennis Dennis Jernigan's story was the powerful thing that I wanted to share with the world. Yeah. Dennis Jernigan, the man, uh probably harder to get to, harder to unwrap and yeah. probably didn't try as hard because I was more interested in Dennis Jernigan's story. And and it did feel to me more like it was kind of a film of his testimony than it was a, 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 a yeah it's not like a bio outline of him the man yeah 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 it is interesting uh i'm trying to think of an example of this but i can't which is uh year, okay no i got it uh back in the 70s they used to do this in the 60s they used to do this thing where they would take popular broadway shows and they would shoot and they would uh videotape them then they would take that and then they would, you know, cut to different angles and stuff. And then they would take that and play it in movie theaters because not everybody can make it to Broadway. Um, one example that is to me infuriating is a movie called "Give 'Em Hell, Harry," starring James Whitmore as Harry Truman. It was a it's a it's a one man it's a one character play in which it's just Harry Truman and he's talking to people, but we never see them. We never hear them. We only hear his response. Um, so he did it on stage. They shot it, released it in theaters. And then he was nominated for an Oscar. That bothers me so much. He wasn't giving a film performance. He was giving a stage performance. Like it just, Oh, hmm. no, thank you. It's like if you were to take, you know, a beach boy song feature it in a film and then it gets nominated for best song. It's like, sounds no, good to me. Was it? Of course it sounds good. to you. <laughs> oh, you're probably thrilled about that. Brian Wilson movie coming up, right? I'm, I'm with Paul oh, Dano. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how that goes. I yeah. want to know who plays everybody. <laughs> well, you can look it up. Probably. I know, but I kind of want to, you want to go and be surprised and surprise myself. I'll um, be the only one in the theater being like, it's Dennis. Look. Yeah. Maybe don't do that. Maybe let's not go see it together. I'm going to go with <laughs> all the people that I love the most and I'm going to do that to them. I'm trying to alienate who are the, everyone. Who are the I, people that you love the most? I don't I'm know. curious. I'm curious <laughs> well, well, there's Bob Denver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. I, I think Sorry, it's, uh, I think it's we, interesting. We got off track. I it's apologize. interesting to think though, because before we started shooting the movie, I, I was already thinking like, okay, if I was telling this story as a narrative film, that this was not a documentary, 
what, what are the choices I would make and what oh, would yeah. I delve into? And it would be a very different movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause, th- cause then I feel like you almost have a responsibility, uh, to tell a story, not even necessarily his story, but you have to dramatize his story, which yeah. means you have to write dialogue. You have to have, you know, there's a scene where he opens up about his struggles to this well-respected Christian guy yeah. uh, who's older, uh, kind of a father figure. And then that guy, you know, makes an advance at him. It's like, you'd have to show that as opposed yeah. to just having him tell that. And so, mm. uh, so what I was going to say earlier is that this is almost like the road show of his testimony. Not everybody knows him face to face. Not everybody is going to want to go to his website and read it, but they can watch this film and get his story and get mm-hmm. it done in a, in a way that is particularly cinematic uh, and that sort of thing. So I, and that's the thing is this, this will lead us into the last, uh, the last topic of conversation, which is, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian listeners. I'm sorry if that surprises you. Um, <laughs> But Somebody's like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like this skeptical podcast just is not what I thought it was. Um, so anyway, uh, so I'm a Christian. So of course I watched this movie as a Christian, but then of course I'm also a critic. I'm a photo editor who occasionally does hey, criticism. I, I tell people if I talk about you as a critic. Okay, I just want you. you to know that. That's nice of you. I um, tell people you're an astronaut. Is that all right? <laughs> okay. That is not where I thought that word was going to go. <laughs> and, I, and, I thought, and I thought, like, that's odd. Uh, we don't usually talk like that on the podcast. Um, so um, you would have been right with that other one, by the way. No, I know. Um, so, um, so, but that's the thing. As a, as a critic, or even just as a, as a film fan, you know, there's what I want and and you yourself had it like what you might find more stimulating artistically but then of course as a christian this is the story that he wants to put out there this is and you're putting it out there as among other things kind of a ministry tool right and so that brings up this idea of the film being for a very specific audience yeah but of course it's not there's no way to make sure it stays with that audience Mm. You know, one of okay. So I keep mentioning this one, this this one overtly negative review written by a non-Christian, and he comes to a conclusion that Reed, who wrote the review for more than one lesson, he comes to the same conclusion that Reed did, albeit from completely different angles. You know, Reed is on board with everything the film is trying to do, uh, and and everything that it's communicating, whereas this guy is absolutely not that. But they come to the same conclusion that this would only be for a Christian audience. And when I talked to you about it, you said, yes, that is who it's for. And so, you know, I think knowing that, knowing that that's your intended audience, uh, that this is going to sound negative. I don't mean for it to. That swayed you in the type of film you wanted to make. If you wanted to make a movie that was going to be for everybody, you might have gone a bit more biographical, like straight biographical. Mm. But because you wanted it to be for Christians, that maybe freed you up a little bit to not have to include these other things that might appeal to a wider audience. But in yeah. doing so, you know, yeah, I, you, you run the risk of alienating people. When when we talked, I, I, I think I was saying, like, it seems to me that particularly when it comes to Christian filmmaking – a lot of Christian movies are bashed because they're for Christians and, and uh, it's considered a uh, criticism of the film that it will only appeal to 
those people. Um, if that if that's who the movie is for, that's not a criticism of its. Oh my goodness, that's not a criticism of the filmmaking to say that it only appeal only appeal to who it was made for. You know, mm-hmm. and whether that's the choice. You know, I don't even. I don't know of the movies that I end up making. I'm sure some of them will be for Christians and some of them won't be. And maybe some of them will be for both. And I don't know. I really actually haven't decided, you know, what that, what I want, want to do exactly. But I did know specifically for this film who it was for. And I did. And like you said, as a ministry tool, um, wanting it to be useful for that as well. Yeah. And yes, those, that decision and knowing that that's what it's, it's also beyond even deciding that it's seeing what happened because when you go to make a movie, you don't know, especially a documentary, you don't know what it's going to be. And after making it and while making it seeing like, okay, I, I see what this movie is. I wasn't so sure. Now I see what it is and I'm going to embrace that or not. Do you you feel reluctant? Um, and I'll go, I'll go back to the, the, the point you're making in a moment. Do you feel reluctant then to submit the film to like a non-Christian website, you know, cause it, it, I, there's a lot of, you know, Christianity today and stuff like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but if it's meant for a Christian audience pri- primarily, like, do you find yourself thinking like, well, if that's who it's for, then I should only submit it to like Christian film festivals. Not that there are a lot of them, but, uh, or maybe there's more than I think <laughs> there's, there's several. Yeah. <laughs> I submitted it to both. Okay. And I don't feel like I have, even though I made it for that audience, because I'm a lover of cinema yeah. and of all, you know, mostly non-Christian cinema. I don't, right. The other day, so I was meeting with the Christian director and he, he's like, so you agree there are some good Christian movies? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, so like, what would you say is one of them? <laughs> not think of a single one yeah and I, I was like would you just call the apostle a christian movie and he was like no that's not really what i'm talking about and i was like okay you know so but it's getting a, getting a little warm in here uh, yeah but the the thought is like christian movies even though that you know i'm I mostly don't, I mostly like non-Christian movies. And so I'm interested in what the film community would have to say about this movie and about what I did, even if they totally, I mean, I I assume the response and I don't want to waste my money. You know, it costs a lot of money to submit to film festivals. So obviously I was selective in what I would submit to based on that, knowing that no one Sundance is not going to play this movie, even if it was awesome. If it's this story, Sundance is not going to play it. So, but I don't want to like I'm even though I'm not marketing it to that group, obviously like yeah. I'm still interested in what they think. So I would yeah. like them to see it and I don't want to, hmm. you know? Yeah. I, uh, which I think is, Oh, I, I get it. <laughs> uh, but part of me is just like, Oh boy, you're really setting yourself up for a whole lot of rough going. Yeah. Uh, I- I honestly am curious about what would happen if you were to submit it to some like LGBT film festivals. That would be interesting because I think they wouldn't know what to do with it at first because they would be like, "He's sending it." Well, you to know, us. you know what the only the only non Christian festival that it got accepted in. Uh, there were 
I looked at, I didn't get to go to the festival, but it was in Mississippi. It's called Crossroads Film Festival. And I looked at the lineup and I would say five of the movies were very pro-gay mm-hmm. movies. And then Sing Over Me was on the bill. And I was like, this is interesting. I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they would engage with it. Um, and, you know, I did, I did an interview with QueerTea.com, mm-hmm. which is a gay uh, publication. So I want to engage like I don't want to yeah. I don't want to limit who could see this movie and who could be affected by it just because I assume that they'll hate it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, yeah. I assume that, but I don't know I don't know how God wants to use it, you mm-hmm. know? And I want to be open to the possibility that someone is going to come across this who I would have thought would have no interest and and God might speak to them through it. I don't know. So you're kind of in this weird limbo where you yeah. did make it for a specific audience. And I'm and I'm marketing it and right and putting it, making it, uh, trying to get it to be successful with that audience. So that's where my energy is being put. If I if I did see it as something that was for all audiences, I would be releasing it in a very different way. I would be marketing it in a different way. I am going after who I made it for. Yeah, yeah. So now my question is: by opening it up, and I apologize if this sounds like uh, not accusatory. Like I'm pointing my finger at you. There's probably a word for it. Pointy, pointy fingery. Um, this seems a little pointy finger. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, uh, if you are willing to put it out to the audience that it was not intended for, is it still? I think it. I think at that point it can become a valid criticism by that person that this was not meant for me and it's doing nothing for me. I think it's. The, I think it's, it's okay. It can be. It, it can be a criticism, as in I didn't like it because it said this. It can't be a criticism of this is a bad movie because right, it exactly. says something yeah, yeah. that I disagree with. I think the criticism could come in like, why did they want me to see this? Like, yeah, I think it could come in that. I'm, yes, absolutely. yeah. I'm specifically talking about claiming that a piece of work, a piece of art, is bad because it doesn't. It's not for me as an audience, you know, like, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a genre thing as much as anything else. There are horror movies that are meant for the masses. And then there are horror movies that are for horror fans. Same with, you know, any, any genre there's, there's hard sci-fi. Then there's, you know, the new Star Trek film, which I enjoy. Uh, but then there's like the harder stuff where it's like, oh, okay, it's, this isn't for everybody. This yeah. is for people that are fans of sci-fi. It's a weird question in general about audience because obviously the, there are very few films that are going to appeal to everybody. There might not right. be any. Um, and they're probably not good. Yeah. <laughs> when you can, when you, that's the thing. When you try to cast such a wide net and when you have these, I mean, that's why there's a lot of blockbusters that I don't like because they're trying to be too many things to too many people. And you often have like... 10 executive producers who are in the works all trying to say, well, this is what people want. And you have this weird, like horrible mutant thing. But, uh, but if you go the opposite way and try to say this movie is really just intended for this kind of audience, then you get criticism on the other side by, by people saying like, well, this really isn't for everyone. This, this has a limited range. If the person saying it almost as an advisory to their readers that like, for the record, this is for a very for this specific mm. audience primarily. So, just if you're not that, you may not like it. I, I know there's people I've talked to about movies specifically that I really liked, and then have, I've had to like think about it for a second and say, 
you would not like this movie. Exactly. Actually, I should not be recommending this. Well, to you. and I also, you know, criticism. I don't think is supposed to be like a report card. Like criticism right. is yeah. s- how a critic experienced <laughs> the movie. Entertainment Weekly and, might and, disagree with you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know, like, and that's not what I'm. Whether I should be reading reviews or not of my own things, yeah. that's not what I'm. I want to see how someone engaged with it. So obviously, if you think that I'm putting that the movie is putting forth this idea that you are vehemently opposed to, of course you're not going to like it, you know, but it shouldn't be a, a criticism of a, a film, the filmmaking that yeah. that's, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, and maybe we'll start to wrap up on this. Uh, I do think the, uh, the only time that making a movie for a specific audience becomes a bad thing is if you are depending on that audience's forgiveness of your flaws for it to be good at all. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where the Christian thing comes in Yeah, because you have an audience that is so willing to go along with you that it will forgive terrible acting, terrible writing, terrible. And I think there's a lot of filmmakers that count on that. Yeah. You know, I I talk to a number of, I won't say who, but there are a number of people I talk to that say like, you know, they're talking about some Christian film. They're like, you know, it's it's not going to win any Oscars, but it's very it's like, okay. So what you're saying is bad. <laughs> yeah. You're saying it's a bad movie <laughs> that you're okay with being bad because of what it's saying, right? And here's a fascinating thing to me about this, and I think we may have mentioned this in the episode where we talked about Christian film in general. But the the other one that that comes to mind first, if I'm trying to think of one that that goes for a specific audience and leaves a lot of quality filmmaking things behind in the dust is is lgbt films oh sure and and it's weird how how similar it is there's a very like specific audience they they cater to this audience they're like these are films for you they're not for everybody else we don't really care if they're for everybody else and that's this weird thing that christian films and lgbt Mm. films have in common that's really well yeah anytime and this is a point i've made several times over at battleship pretension anytime there's a group that is you that is not often considered by Hollywood studio executives, then that is a group that is going to be very excited anytime there's a movie made for them, and rightfully so. It's like, I I get so very few things that are for me, this one is for me, and then if it turns out not to be very good, it's like, well, at least it was for me. Like, uh, you know, and so you run across that, you know, it happens almost every year that there's like a movie made for women. Because most movies are made for men in a specific demo, age demo, and so it's for women, and so, and then people are like, "This, how could this movie have made money? Because it's for an audience that is incidentally half of the population." Um, but then, of course, you also get, you know, then you get movies that are made. It's like, oh, we'll just rush this thing out for this audience you know they'll see it no matter what so who cares yeah and i think that's when you get into trouble so like that that might be one of the reasons that i am so interested in what people have to say about the filmmaking of sing over me because i i know that i've made something that they're gonna the christian audience is gonna eat up because they yeah this is they're looking for a story like this they want this you know Mm -hmm. celebration of the gospel of course great but I I don't want I want to you know as a filmmaker I want to know did I make a good movie mm-hmm. you know? yeah it's it can be frustrating just as much you know in the in the way that if you write a script uh, and you give it to your wife and she'll say I love it well it's nice that you hear that she loves it but you're also thinking like 
I think maybe you might like, have a slight bias. Yeah. That's nice to hear, but it might not be the most helpful thing right now. And mm-hmm. so whether it be letting a bad movie off the hook or not giving a good movie enough praise for where it succeeds, I feel like mm-hmm. either way, that level of just not engaging with a film on an artistic level, I think can be frustrating. And, and your criticism of Sing Over Me specifically is well taken in that if if I did and I did make that choice to make a certain movie for certain people, mm-hmm. if if I wanted to make a great film, if that was my main goal, yeah. I would have made some different choices. Yeah. It was more important to me to make this movie. And so I have to be okay with the fact that I wasn't trying to make the best movie possible. And so if I'm looking for praise of it just as a movie, I'm barking up the wrong tree, you mm-hmm. know. I, ch- I probably am somewhere in between you're trying opening up you know. so many doors here because <laughs> you're saying like if I if I you know if I wanted to make a great film well an argument could be made that you did make a great film now it's here's the thing I will say even on its own level there are things that didn't 100% work for me and that I would have liked to explore more mm-hmm. even within the world of his testimony even yeah. just in in those brackets um, but it's not like you made one artistic compromise after another to the point where you can't in good conscience even say it's a good film, but it effectively, uh, you know, uh, communicated this message because if it communicate, if it effectively communicated the message that you wanted it to do, then it's good. It, it achieved what you wanted to achieve. And I can, I can say, I like it. I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm proud of it as a movie. And I guess, I probably just as my insecure artistic side, what <laughs> other people's validation of the artistic side of it. You know? Oh, th- well, that's the thing is like, this is a Christian podcast. Obviously I want Christians to listen, but every time a non-Christian listens, I think I just want to be like, I want to talk to you for two hours <laughs> <laughs> because I want to know what on earth you get f- out of yeah. this show. Mm-hmm. Because admittedly, the first half is usually an artistic discussion. That back half, there's nothing for you. But of course, I don't actually believe that. But I just I'm astounded when any non Christian yeah. listens to this. And so, no, I absolutely there's a curiosity there. Um, whenever somebody that something that, that the film or or whatever it is that the work was not intended for finds it, yeah. And then you think like, okay, so what about you? Um, and especially when it's something that is that is Christian. Of course, God can use anything, whether it's overtly Christian or not. But you know, it's like, okay, how is God? working on this person through this thing, you know, and I've gotten emails from, from non-Christians that talk about the way more than one lesson has affected them. And it's miles away. It's, it's still a good thing, but it's still miles away from anything I ever intended. Mm. And that's when you re- start to realize like God can, can literally use anything anyway to bless people if that's yeah. what he wants to do. And so, yeah. um, so yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's an interesting film. Uh, it's one that I think people uh, should watch. Uh, it can be very encouraging. Uh, I don't want any of our listeners to think like, oh, well, I don't deal with same-sex attraction, so it's got nothing for me. As as Josh and I have both – and you have both uh, – have all said like, this is a very specific story, yes, but it deals with larger issues that literally everybody can deal with. There's Shame, much- feeling like a fraud, identity – we all deal with that. Yeah, as much broader applications than just his specific story. Yeah. So, 
What I will say is until the end of the month, people can watch the film. Yeah. They don't have to pay anything for it. It's free. They can watch it on YouTube. Pay what you want if what you want is nothing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you go to uh, go to YouTube, type in Sing Over Me. You'll see a movie that's about an hour and 27 minutes, roughly. About. Right around there. There's some seconds, I'm sure. Um, or, go, or singovermemovie.com. Or, or you can you can watch it there as well. Yeah. Okay, great. So singovermemovie.com. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime... Uh, okay, so that's what you can do until the end of September, at which point it is available for sale. Yep. Uh, I also, you were kind enough to bring uh, a DVD that I will that I can give away to listeners. So here's how it's going to work: uh, if you are interested in me sending you the Sing Over Me DVD, complete with a number of special features. Nope. No. Oh, <laughs> Just <man>. the movie. <laughs> uh, I guess. I, I guess. I. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of YouTube page because it has additional interviews yes. and stuff in it. Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in the film, uh, email me Tyler at morethanonelesson.com. If a number of people uh, uh, email me, then I will, of course, enter you all into the randomizer, and then it's. It's up to God. <laughs> what what is the randomizer? What's the randomizer? Is that like a machine oh, that you man, have that you, you shouldn't oh ask God. what the randomizer is? If I have if I have a fallback religion, <laughs> it is the randomizer. Um, I think that needs to be examined at some point. <laughs> um, no, it's just this. It's it has been very helpful uh, whenever we have a giveaway and that kind of thing. Basically, if if a number of people qualify for this thing, you list their names. Into a randomizer what, what, dot. What he doesn't know like is uh, whenever he needs the randomizer, he calls this number, and I show up at the house with a box <laughs> on my head that says randomizer, and he holds out choices to me, and I pick one. And you go randomizing, yeah, <laughs> and then I leave. But he doesn't know it's me. Yeah. Oh, this thing shows up. It's the best. Um, <laughs> I love the randomizer. Um, and so. Uh, but yeah, so and then it uh, it spits out one name. Or if you let's say you say, I need three names, you just type that in. You get three names. Awesome. That's how awesome the randomizer is. So, uh, so yeah, uh, listeners, if you if you don't get it, perhaps, let's look at it this way: if you don't get a chance to watch the film on YouTube, uh, so October comes around, you want to see it, but you don't have any money. Just email me. <laughs> Sounds like an insult. <laughs> you don't have any money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm trying to adopt the the mentality of like a Dickens character. Um, then, uh, but yeah, in the meantime, just if you're if you would like a copy, email me Tyler at morethanonelesson.com. I will let you know if the randomizer favors you. So anyway, in the meantime, where can people find your work, whether it be this or Channel News or other things? Where can they find it online? Uh, JacobKinberg.com. How do you spell that? J A C O B K I N D B E R G B E R G. All right. Kind Berg. That's a kind Berg right there. <laughs> it's my kind of Berg. Whoa. Whoa. You can use that. That's free. <laughs> you should add an A to your last name, and it's, so it's kind of Berg, and then you can say it's my kind of Berg, and That's yeah, it could idea. be on your good business idea. cards or something. You can make T-shirts. That no one would buy. I think you're going a little far with this, but I, I don't think so. Okay, um, I'm hoping. I just want to say that okay. someday someone will write a headline that's about one of my films and say, "There's a new Berg in town, Kinberg." 
because yeah, there's Spielberg and oh, Soderberg. Okay, there's a new Berg, Kinberg. Yeah, here's the thing though. We have uh, somebody else who's been on the show a couple of times. Is Jeff Newberg? His mm. name is Newberg. He's the Newberg. So if they say there's a Newberg in town, then they're <sighs> That's just much done. Better. Yeah. Mm. Well, here's what you just have to get your movie to somewhere so that Variety will use that before <laughs> he has a chance to use yeah. it. Okay. One of you is going to need you guys. I should have. I should introduce you guys so you know who the enemy is. <laughs> and then one of you is going to say, "This Burke's not big enough for the two of us." All right. So uh, I will say um, once again, Alpha Omega Con tomorrow. Hey, I'll see you there. Um, and then next week, uh, Josh and I will be talking about a film that I don't think is available right now, but it will be available next week. Uh, for uh, to watch online, and it will be in select theaters. It's called Believe Me. It is, I'm going to say, the only Christian film, and I'm I I, I will discount you because I know you. <laughs> I will I will brush you aside. It is the only Christian film I've seen that I like, and indeed, I really like it. Do I love it? I'm not sure yet. I'll figure that out in the next week. That's exciting. Um, but I'm, as I as I think I said to you guys, and it will, as I will put in the review that I have not yet written, um, I did not ex- expect a movie, a Christian movie, to be this good for at least ten more years. Uh, and the fact that they've done it so uh, confidently, it's I'm I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see the next thing they do. Awesome. But anyway, so that's what we'll be talking about next week the, the, with the companion film being the Burt Lancaster vehicle, Elmer Gantry. Nobody's seen that. Uh, I did many years ago. Even I haven't seen it. He won uh, Best Actor for it, incidentally. Elmer? Yep. Oh. Burt Lancaster. Jerk. Oh, oh. Anyway, all right. Uh, so this was a lot of fun. Uh, if you have any comments on this episode, and I'm sure some of you do, uh, feel free to leave those in the comments section. Uh, please do uh, be respectful. Uh, we're not opposed to disagreement, but please be respectful. Um, if you have any emails, you can email me, Tyler, at uh, morethanonelesson.com. I almost went Battleship Retention. You can get me there, you too. You cannot email him there. Right. They will yeah. come right back to you. If they know, they know that like this was meant for more than one lesson and it's not going to get to me. So Tyler, more than one lesson.com. You can email Josh, Josh at more than one lesson.com. Oh, no. This is all, this, we ruined this whole thing. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at more lessons. You can follow Josh at the Josh long at the Josh long. Jake, are you on Twitter? Yes. What is it? At J.R. Kinberg, J.R. Kinberg, Junior Kinberg. Yeah. Is that right? That's, <laughs> Do you still have a rap, uh, rap album available? I do. What's it called? <laughs> J-Ray. J-Ray. That's right. It's on iTunes. It's on iTunes. Check it out. How do you spell, how do you spell J-Ray? Uh, J space Ray. And the, the I have two albums, actually. One is Dreams and Visions, and the other is Five Year Slump. All right. <laughs> And they are they're they're I don't I don't rap anymore. They're from a time <laughs> time gone by. Oh boy. I dreamed a dream. <laughs> it's it's rare that I get to have a conversation with someone where they say, Well, I don't rap anymore. <laughs> that was a long time ago. As he sits hunched over a bar. Um, anyway, okay, uh and then don't forget to like us on Facebook and you can sign up for our newsletter. Lots of ways that you can uh, get updates from more than one lesson. 
thank you, Jake, very much for being here. Thank you. And uh, Josh, as always, thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. And listeners, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye.